0: Okay, we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Taala, and we seek blessings upon the Prophet, sallallahu Okay, so we're we'll continuing Okay, Far away.
1: Okay, so um, I think we're where we were at now. Uh, we were still in the book of knowledge, uh, chapter one, um, virtual learning. Uh, so. I'll start out with some of the verses of Quran prophetic reports and then I'll talk about how I translate uh, I sort of uh, synthesize it in uh, my analysis. Yeah. So uh, first from the verses of the Quran uh, Al-Ghazari writes that Allah Azzawajal said and it is not for the believers to go forth to, ba- to battle all at once because there should be separate, from every division of them a group remaining to obtain understanding in religion and in his words uh, so ask the people of the message who have knowledge if you do not know meaning that um, the reason for this is that if everyone went into a battle and if many of the people or the majority of the people perished in that battle if the scholars died in that battle then the knowledge that was with them would have died as well meaning that the religion would not be able to uh, to continue because there's no one educated to actually uh to pass that down Mm -hmm. and it goes back to what we were discussing earlier because many of us nowadays the way we get our information is either by our parents or by someone else and the same way applies with Sana'id and with ijazah we get it from someone else we learn our knowledge from someone else so if the majority of scholars at that time which were the sahaba perished at that time then there wouldn't have been anyone to transmit that knowledge. Then, in the prophetic reports, um, some of the reports by uh, the Prophet about um, why knowledge is important. One of the ones that really stood out to me was seeking knowledge is an obligation on, uh, on every believing man and woman. Uh, which is seeking, um, basically it shows you that not only is it something that you just want to do or you have a desire to do, but it's something that's mandatory. Uh, it's Allah wa Ta-A'la and the Prophet wa sallam, command us to do um, because if we don't have that knowledge then we can't practice efficiently then in another hadith he says it's not fitting for an ignorant person to remain silent about his ignorance or for the scholar not to speak of his knowledge meaning that if someone has knowledge then they have to go out and teach it they have to go out and educate the person otherwise the knowledge that they're attaining is ultimately useless um, and once again it goes back to what we were discussing earlier uh, informative versus transformative knowledge if someone just gets informative knowledge but doesn't practice it um, then it's, it's, it's a waste, it's not helpful for that person they might know but they're not practicing it and the same way if they get that knowledge and they're not teaching it to someone else then it's also a waste because that knowledge dies with them it might make them a better Muslim or a better believer but it dies with them because they can't further the deen in any way shape or form then we got the traditions of the companions of the of uh, yeah the traditions of the companions in the tabi'i. Uh and this was really interesting because uh, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, what Abu Darda said. He said, uh, "Studying an issue of religious knowledge is more beloved to me than spending the entire night in devotion." And the reason that I saw from this is that um, it shows you that even if you spend your entire night in worship of Allah subhanahu wa taala. If you don't know what you're doing, number one, it can compromise the actual implementation of what you're doing, even if you have the right intention. If what you're doing is fundamentally flawed because you don't have that knowledge, then the actual reward you're getting is going to be less. But rather, if you spend your time learning that and then you can teach it, then you get, number one, you get reward for your intention of learning. Number one, your actual actions will be better because now you know how to do them perfect, uh, perfectly, well, not perfectly, but better. Uh, and then third, uh, you have the ability to pass that knowledge down to someone else and you get sadaq as that because when you teach it to someone else, that person will teach to another person, so on and so forth. So that's why it's better. That's why Abu Darda said that it's better than spending an entire night in devotion because you constantly get <laughs> you make yourself uh, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by attaining that knowledge. Then he said in another one, um, be either a scholar, a student, or one who listens. Don't be the fourth, which means none of these. Lest you perish, lest you die with nothing on you. Because you don't have anything to give to other people as a scholar or a student of knowledge. And uh, one, one last part that he said that I found uh, was very uh, interesting was that Abu Darda said, anyone who believes that rising early in the morning with the intention of gaining knowledge is not striving... Uh, anyone who believes that the rising early in the morning is not an act of jihad is deficient in both opinion and reasoning, meaning that it's a struggle for someone to do it, and it should be treated with the importance of someone who, who struggles uh, uh, in like an actual jihad. Like, basically what he's saying is that like, the, the importance of someone going and studying knowledge is likened to the importance of someone who's going to defending the religion, because when you gain knowledge and you're still defending the religion because you're able to spread that knowledge to other people, just like you're defending the religion, if you're fighting um, in in jihad in the older times. Uh, so, what I did first um, uh, was I looked into this was more about um, the Quran specifically, but it also ties into Hadith too. Uh, the first thing that I looked at is that why do people not go uh, and study the Quran? Like, what is what are things that that stop them? Um, so, I looked at some of the things. Um, that like reasons why people do not study the Quran uh, and this is according to Sheikh Yasir Bir uh, and a couple of them are language barriers so many of the people as Islam spread um, you know to different places people did not understand Arabic so it became hard for them to learn Arabic and hard for them to then understand the Quran and understand the hadith so that language barrier the way you can overcome that is to you know learn the Arabic language first and foremost and to if you can, read the hadith and the Quran, read the translation of the hadith, read the translation of the Quran so at least you still get that message. Um, but fundamentally you should try to learn the Arabic language so that you can learn hadith, learn Quran and understand them in Arabic. Then another one is um, being uh, is not having enough time and what Shaykh Yasir said about that was that you have to use your time for what you want. If you have that desire then that's your struggle, you have to make that sacrifice and you have to go back and, uh, and use your time. To study uh, Quran, study Hadith, study Islam, and become closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, and then the third is that you feel that you're not worthy, you're not intelligent enough. And it's something that number one you make dua for, and number two the more you keep practicing, obviously the better that you'll be in whatever you set out to do. So this is some of the things about um, about reasons why people don't study, uh, don't study Islam, don't become students of knowledge. Then we talk about how can one get uh, closer to to Hadith, get closer to the Quran, Or just get closer to knowledge in general. Uh, so Sheikh Yasir Jass, once again he he split it into three layers of communication. The first is a basic layer of understanding, which is just reading the Quran in English um, and and trying to understand it. But basically, just reading it first is the is the first layer, the most basic layer. Then the second layer is to understand it um, which he called connection learning to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that's meaningful to him um, and he cited the, the first ayahs of, uh, of surah mu'minun uh, praise be to those who pray with concentration and connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their prayer so you develop that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you understand the Quran more and more when you read it and you try to continue understanding the Quran while you're reading it and the third layer uh, of communication is synchronization. Meaning that when you read the Quran, you eliminate any of your own previous thoughts. You accept the Quran for what it is completely, and you understand it, uh, and you don't go there justifying, trying to justify your own ideas. So whatever the Quran has, you accept it one, like completely. Uh, and whatever you learn in the Quran, that you implement it yourself, and you practice it and put it as part of your daily habits. And then he talked about uh, practical steps towards understanding Islam, um, which is to, to, first of all, learn the Arabic language, as I said uh, before, and to read the translation of the Qur'an, as I said before, once again, and to, uh, basically, the, the main point that he made in this part was that you have to, um, whatever you read you have, uh, in the Qur'an, you have to go in the intention that whatever you read, whatever you learn, that that's something that you're going to implement in your entire in your in your life basically um so see if i have anything else to add uh in terms of this i think that's it okay
0: okay so um uh a couple thoughts uh uh, when he is making these points about knowledge, what would you suggest? What's his uh, intent? So so the whole first book is a book of knowledge, and then we're looking at ayahs and then hadith and what we call afar. Yep. Uh, what is what is the goal he is trying to accomplish?
1: He's trying to show us the importance of
0: knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then, so part of the point you made before was that uh, that it's through knowledge that the religion either exists or lack of knowledge, uh, the 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 religion gets lost. Yeah. And then and so built into that, what else is he also illustrating? He's also illustrating the no, the nobility of knowledge. Yeah. And the nobility that comes with knowledge. Yeah. So we have the ayah that you know we've all been created in tribes and and colors and such, and the best of you are what?
1: Uh, the best of you are those in knowledge.
0: The best of you are those with taqwa. Yeah. And then uh, and then this is adding a different dimension, saying the best of those would actually be the best of those with knowledge. Why?
1: Because I think it goes back to what I said before. Um, even if you have taqwa, your, implement, your actions, if you don't know how to do them, mm-hmm. um, can be flawed, and that way you're not... Perfecting your ibadah With mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But if you have that knowledge You have an understanding of Islam Then number one You're able to teach it to others You're able to further The uh, the deen mm-hmm. And you're able to better Your own relationship With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Through the perfection Of your own deeds
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So so part of the, what happens Is just like you're describing Is that you're learning How to do things properly And you're also learning Defenses against Doing things incorrectly Yes right? And so there's a the narration that you quoted, be the, 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 the teacher, the learner or the listener, don't be the, the, the fourth one, which is which is uh, none of the above. And so then <clears throat> further nobility uh, happens by way of a purpose, a person's um, proximity to knowledge. And so the higher is going to be the teacher, right? right. And then a step below that will be the student, and then a step below that will be the person who's listening. And then when we look at the, the one of the first hadith that he narrates, or first ayahs that he narrates, he speaks of Allah and then the angels, and then the ulama, and so the ulama would be uh, specifically the teachers and such, that their status is just beneath the status of, of angels. Uh, what do you make of the teaching that... Uh, whoever is pursuing the path of knowledge Allah Ta'ala makes uh, for them uh, uh, opens up for them the path to paradise. Um, give me some understandings of that. Sorry, say it again? So, give me some understandings of, of the narration this is a hadith, that if you go on the path of knowledge, Allah Ta'ala opens up for you the path to paradise.
1: Yeah, uh, so I think this is one of the hadith of Nawi. actually. Uh, it's part of one of the hadith of Nauwi. Um So basically uh my understanding of that hadith is that the more that a person is able to learn about islam number one they're getting ibadah by their intention of learning islam and number two they are able to perfect their own relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala back to perfecting their own deeds back to having that understanding what's halal what's haram um and being able to to um to better their own their own connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's why their connection to, to Jannah is opened up Because it's easier for them to practice And establish their relationship with Allah And it reminds me actually of another hadith Al Halala Bayyinun wa Al haram Bayyinun Wa La Min nas Basically uh, it's narrated by Um Abhi Abdullah al ibn al who said that the Prophet said verily the halal matters are clear and verily the haram matters are clear and between them is a grey area. So the more that you're able to be a student of knowledge the more you're able to distinguish number one between the halal and haram and number two between the grey area of halal, uh, mm-hmm. the grey area and halal and haram. Mm-hmm. So you're able to stay farther away and closer to the halal.
0: So Uh, I would suggest you've addressed half of the point. Uh, The other half of the point is that if you go in the path of knowledge, Allah Ta'ala will make your life more difficult. Mm -hmm. Why? What would be the the wisdom?
1: Uh, The wisdom is that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala tests you. um, And as a student of knowledge, um, you know, if we see like the the traditions of the companions, if we see the tradition of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where... um, extremely knowledgeable and like the the forerunners of uh of producing islam they lived difficult lives in the sense that you know they they knew uh they 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 had to sacrifice for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and because of that intention allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number one makes their life um more difficult in the sense that they have to continue to uh to receive knowledge at the sacrifice of other things at the sacrifice of worldly benefits Mm -hmm. like many of the scholars for example. Uh, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, they went to jail for their, for 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 uh, when they learned about Islam and when they preached about it, they went to jail, uh, and so, even like some of the Sahaba for what for what they said, uh, they were they were tortured, their they were uh, their views were criticized, uh, so I think that that ties into it that mm-hmm. you know because they were people of knowledge, they sacrificed the worldly gains for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, mm-hmm.
0: so. And so I'd say that you've gotten half of the remaining half. So we're getting there little by little, mashallah. So think about it this way. Um, One point you're making is that with knowledge, I know how to do things properly. Right. Uh, That is relevant more in matters of action. So most of the Quran is not talking about action. Most of the Quran is talking about how to navigate the world. And so... So the next point you met, so, so, so the first part you, met, you mentioned is the 50%, then another 25% is, is that, uh, that you're going through all these struggles, you're picking the pursuit of knowledge over these other aspects or there's consequences to speaking about your knowledge or holding to your beliefs and such. That is also correct, and that's getting closer to the remaining. And so part of the point is that the more true knowledge you have, the better you're going to be at navigating life which then means the standard of difficulty Allah look going to give you is going to be higher than it is for someone who doesn't know how to navigate life. And thus it is very common for scholars to have the most difficult lives in part because that's the plane that they're in. And meaning if you have, if you have someone who has the maturity of a 13 year old in terms of how they understand the world, they're going to be tested according to what they can take. Now, someone who has scholarship, it's as though they have the maturity of someone beyond their years. And they're going to be tested accordingly that way. And so thus, we're taught, who are the people that are most tested?
1: The African prophets.
0: The prophets, peace yeah. be upon them, themselves. Yeah. And, and part of what we can suggest is they have the, the most true understanding of how reality operates. And so the equivalent of me getting a flat tire and the stress that that causes me, for someone of the level of knowledge, that can be the loss of a child. And for a prophet, peace be upon him, that can be, you know, people in the ummah rejecting them. Okay. And, and so, so, so the point being that knowledge is, on the one hand, teaching you how to do things properly, and uh, this is especially relevant in today's world, uh, knowledge is teaching you how to navigate life. Why do people leave Dean in today's world? Is because they don't know how to navigate life, and Dean is not helping them. Dean is actually making it harder for them. Okay, good. Uh, another point is is uh, uh, the Prophet peace be upon him is reported to have said that Iman is like something without any clothes that should be clothed with taqwa. and then beautified with with modesty, with hayat And and so explain that, this analogy. So, um,
1: iman is belief in Allah, Subh'ana, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and the Prophet wa defined iman as uh, al-imanu uh and Tutminabilah'ahri khari.
0: Nice and slow.
1: I say all those things nice and slowly, inshallah. Yes. That Iman is to believe in all these different things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the angels, the prophets, the Kitab, um the the day of judgment and destiny, whether it's good or bad. So it's Iman is to believe in these things, but um to, so that's the foundation. But to cover it, um, well, sorry, what was the initial taqwa. hadith? Taqwa. Uh, taqwa. Yeah. Right. Is to is to really understand it, to really have a sincerity in that belief, right? To you know, to not believe just because someone else is telling you to believe, but to have true sincerity in it, to have true taqwa that you know, the reason I believe in this is because I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so my actions, my entire life, the people the way I interact with people is based on my um Getting me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then the beautification part of modesty is how do I Better my own iman. How do I better my own taqwa and the way to do that is to not be arrogant to not be um, Like showbodi, and instead to be modest to be Mm -hmm. humble um, To interact with people uh, softly basically
0: Mm -hmm. So the latter part I like quite a bit the 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 first part think of uh, iman in two different lenses. So the iman that you spoke of is actually iman in aqidah. We believe in this, we believe in this, and we believe in this. Uh, <clears throat> iman, as it's being spoken about here, especially you'll recognize it when taqwa is being mentioned along with it, when haya is being mentioned along with it. Then it's what some call your real iman. And so what is that? That is the strength of connection you have to Allah in your heart. Okay. And so the difference is that iman and aqidah is just a list of things you're supposed to believe in. And what is the point of that list? It's to determine whether or not you are in the ummah. Meaning if you remove one of those things, you're no longer part of the ummah. Or if you modify one of those things, you're no longer part of the ummah. You might still be in the ummah if you add to that list. But uh, you are not in the ummah if you remove things. But that is, you know, when we call speak of creed, it's not addressing... Uh, it's basically saying I take these things as true Iman when you see it in the language where taqwa is also being used is speaking of the strength of the trust that you have in Allah and on its own think of it an analogy would be to think of it as a jewel a very very precious jewel that is completely vulnerable and so, you know, the narrations that, uh, you know, someone may uh, wake up in Iman and go to sleep in Kufr, another person might go to sleep in Kufr and then uh, wake up in Kufr and go to sleep in Iman, you know, especially signs of end times. That it's a jewel that is so vulnerable that it can be lost really easily. And so, what is taqwa? Taqwa is, so here it's speaking of it as clothing, it's putting yourself now on guard to protect your Iman. So part of the essence of taqwa is to literally regard your iman as something very, very valuable and something that's easily lost. And so taqwa is the ongoing process of shielding it. And then, I mean, very much correctly, along the lines of what you stated about, about modesty, think of modesty is now a further level. So taqwa would then be to speak the truth. Because if you don't speak the truth, you're going to risk losing your iman. And you won't even notice. Uh, hayat would be related to, okay, is it beneficial to speak at all? Because sometimes speaking the truth might actually be destructive. Sometimes speaking the truth might not accomplish what you're seeking. And it might you might accomplish more just by being silent. And so hayat, often when we speak of it as modesty, think of it as another la- layer of control. So taqwa is a layer of control. Protecting your iman, think of modesty as a further layer of control. Now, what some people do is they'll have modesty without taqwa. And and so try to describe that. Like, try to imagine what that person is like.
1: Uh, so, modesty without taqwa uh, is basically like...
0: And give me both a, a negative and a positive understanding.
1: Okay. So first, we'll start with the negative understanding. The negative understanding, it goes back to what you said, that the person will not be able to control their iman. um, Because even if they're modest, uh, if they don't have taqwa, then they're not in that constant uh, state of trying to preserve their iman. Basically, like, so the negative is that, you know, one minute they can stay modest, but after that, right, if their iman can still change, where if their iman goes bad, then it's not helpful in the eyes of Allah because they don't have a strong relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They might mm-hmm. still be modest, but it's not for the sake of Allah subhanahu mm-hmm. wa
0: So the first one thing that's missing is the intention. Right, yeah. exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the positive is that, I mean, the person's still modest. The person's still good to the people around him. Yes. So that's the positive. But the, the negative, like I said before, is, is worse in the fact that the intention is not there. It's not for the sake of Allah subhanahu
0: yeah. wa Yeah, exactly. So, so just like you're saying, <coughs> if I don't have taqwa, then uh, I can have modesty, but my iman is still very, very vulnerable. And I may not have appreciation for my iman, which means what? Because I'm lacking the intention, I'm being modest for the sake of modesty. Which is still a good thing, because if the opposite is immodesty, then that's far worse. So modesty is still a strong attribute, but when it is sort of the additional layer on top of taqwa, then inshallah... It is it is very strong. Okay, uh, make sense of this narration. So people are like mines of gold and silver. The best among of them among Jahiliyyah are also the best among the days of Islam, provided that they learn the Deen or provided that they see light. How would you how would you try to explain this? Wait, say it again. Okay, so first part, people are like are like mines or ores of gold and silver. Second part, the best among them is uh, in Jahiliyyah is going to be the best in Islam. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, the so third part is as long as they learn the deen, as long as they see the light.
1: Okay. It reminds me of a narration by uh, by Abu Bakr as Sadiq who at the time of Jahiliyyah he he never drank alcohol. And the reason that he gave um, as to why he didn't drink alcohol is because one time he saw a man who was drinking alcohol and who was so drunk that he began basically like eating his own bodily fluids or drinking his own bodily fluids, and so he he saw that and he's like this is not right. No one's reasoning should ever be taken away to that extent, and so you know he had that understanding. Uh, even even if it was at the time of Jahannya, he still had that understanding of you know this just inherently is not right, uh, and so with that second part of the of the narration, the best among you are like uh, of Jahannya are the best in Islam. Um, Because the people who had the best character in Jahmiyyah times Are going to be the ones uh, who who also have that best character Who have the best understanding Because they already had the best way of life So they're going to have the best understanding of life uh, in Islam As long as they learn about Islam As long as they learn what the Islamic teachings are On how you learn, uh, of how you walk your life basically And then that first part um, goes back to what we were talking about they're like jewels, um, uh, sorry, like mines of ore or, or jewels in the sense that they're vulnerable. But if, it's, if utilized, if they protect themselves, if their iman is protected, then they'll be able to profit off of it. And that they'll be extremely valuable. If not, then there's no point.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, excellent. That, uh, that's very, very good, especially with the example of Abu Bakr, mashallah. And so the only things that I would add to, to that point is... That we're being taught that people innately, uh, uh, when it says that they're like ores of gold and silver, people innately, with or without Islam, they're full of value. Right. They're full of benefit to provide. And one way to think of those who are best in Jahiliyyah are the people with the highest himma. How do you translate himma? Uh, Like it's also an early word. Yeah, like... It's uh, a tough word. So yeah, the
1: word, yeah, the, or the word I, it's used kind of like courage or, or like yeah, fortitude.
0: Think of, think of it as courage, think of it as ambition, think of it as fortitude. All those things put together. Yeah. And so so the people with the highest himmah in Jahiliyyah will have the highest himmah uh, in Islam. And then the importance of learning is to direct your himmah, of course, in, in the proper direction. And so what does that mean? What would you call someone with no himmah?
1: Uh, a coward
0: coward, lazy and so the risk is also that the opposite might be true that the people who are lazy in jahiliyyah might also be lazy in Islam the hope however is that if they're learning deen they will be able to cure or resolve their their, uh, laziness and perhaps can be among the best of us uh let's see i think those are all the the big things that i wanted to focus on okay yeah we'll stop right here uh
1: anything
0: okay. else uh so i did a little bit of mishka too okay let me let's pause this and then uh, all right